Hey, good morning, good evening, wherever you're at. Welcome to the Black and White Men Talking podcast, uh, radio show, Netflix. What is, what is this? A YouTube channel. There we are. <laughs> tell you, I am Dave Wadsworth and my buddy, Leslie Peters, our co-host. Uh, boy, I tell you, we have a lot of fun. But today we got something kind of weird we're going to talk about because I don't understand it. And uh, sometimes I'm pretty naive. But uh, Leslie, um, you know, we're very genuine with, with our, um, you know, our topics and what we want to talk about. But, but just trying to figure out how can we communicate as, as a black man, a white man, and figure out, you know, where you're coming from, where I'm coming from, and realize that, you know what? we're just men and, and we're just going through life and we want to make things better for ourselves, our families, our communities. And, and one way we do that is to talk and try to understand each other. And, and when we talk, we need to be listening also because we've got two big ears. We need to use right. them. And, um, and honestly, the more we talk, the more we realize, dude, we're, <laughs> we've got a lot in common and a lot more in common than we don't have. So uh, we just want to explore that, and we want to to help uh, you listeners out there. We just want to help you in, in some way, help you become a better man, a better person, uh, and and that's through communicating and, and kind of getting out of your comfort zone and, and uh, working with people that maybe you don't really care for, or you don't like, or maybe you judge them from a distance. But let me tell you, you start talking to them, and you're going to find out real quick, hey, we put on our pants the same way we put on our socks and shoes together and and we really have a lot in common we want we want good things for ourselves and our families and our communities and uh, we can do this together and and leslie we figured it out you're going to be good you're going to be okay without me and i'm going to be okay without you but you know what together we're going to be a whole heck of a lot better absolutely absolutely yeah. and that's the whole point of it right like I haven't met a person yet that, that told me, hey, Leslie, I want to get, I want to be a, 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 um, a worse version of myself tomorrow than I am today. Right. I've never heard anybody say, I want to have less tomorrow than I have today. I've never heard anybody say, I want to have, if it's anything that they desire. Now, I've heard people say, I want to have less stress <laughs> tomorrow <laughs> than I have today. But I've never heard anybody tell me of anything that they desire that they want to have that they want to have less of it tomorrow than they do today. Yeah. just doesn't work like that. So how do we get there? We can't get there alone. Yep. Um, and the truth be told, it's no fun when you're doing it by yourself. So <laughs> the best chance you got of success is really, it's the humanity. God gave us humanity. And when we learn what to do with that too, through having an open and deep and transparent conversations, it's amazing what humanity can gift us back. Yeah. So... With that being said, Dave, take us down the road we're about to take today. <laughs> now, this is a, a a bumpy road. It's, you know, I heard the uh, the ancient saying, uh, he was a wise man. He says, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. And so <laughs> I'm thinking, well, you got to take it because it's a fork. So you're going to have to decide whether you go left or right or, you know, whatever. But but this is a, a, a weird thing. And and it made me think. I saw uh, uh, something on a on a uh a YouTube or podcast uh, here recently, and it, it bothered me. Well, 
injustice bothers me. When anybody is treated wrong, and we know right from wrong, we really do, inherently. I don't think we need to be told, you know, when you're kicking people around or you're you're being uh, verbally abusive to people or rude, we know it's wrong, okay? But uh, this was a situation in Chicago, and I saw this, and it was um, uh, young people kind of converged on the city. It's been a few months ago, and I just saw some clips of this, and, and these young uh, folks had converged on the downtown Chicago, and they were just kind of being a little crazy. I don't, I don't know how bad it got as far. I know there was some burning and some things got tore up, but uh, there was a, a clip where this lady, and she's a white woman, and she was trying to get into her apartment building, trying to get in, get in the door to get go home, you know, right there. And something sparked. And all of a sudden, these people around her just started beating her. I mean, they started kicking her and punching her and knocked her down. And, and it was just, it was like a big dog pack. I mean, they were just on her. And it was just like, it was hard to watch because it's like, oh my gosh, can you imagine that being your daughter? or your sister or your mother. And, uh, and, and it just, it really bothered me. And it's like, wow, why are these people doing this? And it's just like, there was almost like a frenzy. It's almost like a bunch of sharks and a feeding frenzy. And, and I noticed I thought, okay, this is a white woman and these are black. Mostly I think they were black males, but I think they were black females, you know, just a, a, a kind of a mob scene kind of thing right there at this door. And I thought, wow, there's a lot of anger here. And, and why did they do this? And and I kept thinking about that. And I thought that really bothers me. And I don't understand why. Why do they all just kind of jump on her and, and do this, you know? And then I got to thinking, OK, now why with these school shootings, you go back to Columbine and around Denver, Colorado, um, back in 99, the first real mass school shooting that we've had ever. And then from there, it just you know got worse. And those, these are white kids that do the shooting. And I don't remember seeing a black kid ever shooting up a school or, or doing these mass shootings. Not that I can think of. And I'm thinking, okay, why do the black kids do this, you know, the pounding, you know, and, and ganging up and stuff. And then why do the white kids do all these mass shootings? I, I, I just doesn't make sense. And, it, and, and both are really, really sad. And I was just, curious and i thought well i'll talk to leslie you know maybe leslie has a perspective that i can't understand you know but either way people are hurting other people and and it's in my opinion it's innocent people getting hurt and it's people that have a lot of anger or or some um i don't know something something hidden in their heart or their mind that is dark and they're getting it out and and so they're taking it out on innocent people so leslie help me out here buddy uh tell me why what what's what's going on here well you know i mean we can never know exactly what but so this is purely speculation on my part just from life experience and what i've seen but i think it comes back to environment uh that you grew up in and so when you look at the natural lure of the pack syndrome that's very much how gangs are assimilated, how they're created, how they're established, how they run. It's very much like the hyenas are, are, are run, how they how they yeah. work uh, by culture. If you ever work, work or watch a documentary on the hyenas, I mean, they what they do what they do for a reason, and they operate in packs for a reason because they have power and packs, and they 
they um, have really, really, really uh, long endurance. Mm-hmm. The hyenas do more than any other animal, so they can they can keep the pursuit after you for a long time. So the reason why, but they're not the biggest animals in the world, so that's why they operate in packs. Well, gangs are very similar. If you look at how gangs lure kids in, they're looking for a certain type of a kid, a kid that's looking for belonging. Most of these kids have not been in good family situations. They have not experienced love or somebody to really love them, be there for them. Um, There's a lure there. Some of them have been in foster care. Some of them have been in the street. They want to, everybody wants to belong to something. It may be a simple act that somebody was about to attack you and a gang member stepped in and protected you. So now you got a sense of loyalty because you got somebody like a big brother, somebody that, again, you got that protection that generally comes from a family. So there's a lot of injury points and how kids get into those situations. But at the end of the day, it's love, it's protection, and it's a sense of belonging. And so those are those are very addictive forces, right? Mm-hmm. And they could be used for good, they could be used for negative, but they're still very addictive forces. And so when you look at the way gangs operate, very seldom you ever see a gang fight one-on-one. It's usually gang members hang, they, they never hang by themselves because of the threat of life and the the, the deep violence of neighborhoods they live in, they really can't afford to be isolated like that. So for protective purposes, they have to operate in the masses because they can be attacked at any time. Yeah. So that's that's the mechanism. The other uh, mechanism is when they are attacked, um, if there's a trigger, if there's something said, if there's something done to trigger them, they react viciously. Well, yeah. so do hyenas. Right, right. So right. it's a vicious attack. It's never going to be a mild attack because if it's a mild attack, then that sends the message that they're soft. So now they become prey to their own element mm-hmm. and they'll be under attack by their own element. So they, they constantly have to validate that they are vicious, that they are, um, they have to keep that fear level high so people don't mess with them, right? And so that's kind of how it's done um, from on, on the gang front and what you see kind of in the inner cities and in those neighborhoods and those respects. And then a lot of times people say, man, why come they have no respect for person? Well, what you probably will find out if you dig back into their lives, nobody ever gave them respect. <laughs> gotcha. They were probably disrespected. They were probably abused. Yeah. They were probably, e- even if it wasn't physically, it was emotionally. So there's a lot that happens. So yeah. You know, we just see the end result. Yeah. But what that world says and what a person and a kid, I can imagine that position. Says, where were you when I was getting beaten? Where were you when I was getting cut? Mm-hmm. You want to be all self-righteous now, but where were you when I had nothing to eat and I was on the street and I had nowhere to live? Right. Where were you then? You were nowhere, but the gang members were. Yeah. See, so we have to understand how to get there. It didn't just happen overnight. And the truth of the matter is, when we look at American society, we were not there when they needed us most, when they were most vulnerable. Yeah. We were not there when they were too young to protect themselves and they were being hurt by adults. Yeah. We were not there. So now, whoever stepped in the show on the protection is either going to be a positive mentor that gets there first, or it's going to be the gains or negative influence to get there first. But whoever gets there is probably going to lure that person their way. Right. Right. Okay? Yeah. I know uh, my son-in-law, one thing that helped him, he was actually, um, 
uh, from Gary, Indiana, which was murder capital of the world. Gary, yeah. Indiana, very tough uh, area. And uh, his dad was murdered when he was a baby. Uh, so he never knew his dad. He was, it was an accidental, it wasn't an accident. It was, um, uh, what do you call it? Um, somebody shot him and misidentification. They were trying to kill somebody else and they saw him and they shot him. Excuse me. He was a nice um, a businessman. He had a couple uh, car dealerships, you know, small car dealerships. And he was a good guy, well-liked, but misidentification and uh, mistaken identity. And somebody shot him and they were going after somebody else. So his mother, uh, she raised four boys and uh, did a great job with these boys. Um, but one thing with Isaac, uh, he was um, uh, he was a really good basketball player. And so he had a coach uh, that took him under his wing and, and, and they, he was in the AAU program. And so he become a real mentor to Isaac and they would travel and, and, and play ball and stuff. And Isaac was just, you know, a solid ball player. Now he didn't get real tall, so that hurt him a lot. But in his younger years, he had someone, even though he didn't have a dad, um, a lot of it was his, uh, his granddad helped him. His granddad was 100% Cherokee Indian. And that's where he got his name White, uh, was from Poe White, which was his granddad. And his granddad was, was a strong father figure for him. But this, also this coach stepped in and this coach, you know, took a liking to him and, and helped him. And he made a big difference. And Isaac, to me, is one of the kindest, um, most calming influences of anybody I've, I've met. I mean, for to deal with my daughter and how how she is, uh, you know, she's she's not she's a wonderful person. But boy, sometimes she can be a little high, you know, high maintenance, not high maintenance, high strung, she, uh, very emotional sometimes. And and he's been able to calm her and work with her and stuff. And it's like I'm amazed at, at him. He's just awesome. But but he had a calming influence himself. He had someone that, that said, Hey, you're special. You're important. I'm going to help you. And, and so he escaped potentially, you know, what could have been a bad situation. Now the mother, uh, Isaac's mom moved him to another uh, city fairly close, you know, 20, 30 miles away. And it wasn't near as rough. You know, Gary was bad, uh, especially in certain parts, but but she yeah, moved him to, yeah she moved him to uh, Merrillville, which is another town there not too far from Chicago all this was out south of Chicago and and so uh, he thrived I mean he did you know quite well uh, all four of the boys are good they're good people but but Isaac was just awesome but I could see that with him how you know someone stepped in someone was there uh, that that could help him through that, and and he didn't get involved because I asked him about that. He says he said, you know, I had my my basketball. He said I had a coach, you know, my granddad, and he said they were good influences on me. And he said I didn't need, you know, to go that way. And I thought that was interesting the way you said it too. You know, hey, somebody's there to protect them. You know, they're they're in a bind or in a bad spot, and somebody steps in and and says, hey. Uh, we'll take care of you. You be a part of our, our group, you know, and so our gang and things. But 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 the other thing is, you know, why? <clears throat> OK, why are these these mass shootings, these these, you know, uh, all over the place? They've been at schools, a lot of schools. But why are they the white kids? Why do the white kids do these things? I I don't know. I mean, because because the guns are everywhere. I mean, you can get a gun anywhere. Uh, I know at our school. 
we had guns in the parking lot uh, in the pickup. <laughs> we, it was a small you know, country school, and uh, and we had kids that go hunting before school. They'd be out there, you know, coon hunting or rabbit hunting or whatever, and they'd have their shotgun in the back window of, of the uh, pickup, <laughs> and they'd have maybe a, a rifle, you know, but they never brought them in school. We, we never, you know, no big deal. And uh, but then since 99, when Columbine started, Columbine, that shooting, it, it's almost like it it opened a door and said, oh, OK, uh, you know, this is the thing to do when you when you're hurt or when someone's hurt you or, or whatever. This is the way you do it. You get back at them by just going in and killing innocent people. And uh, and and I don't know. I just I'm not sure. I don't understand it. And let, maybe you have a different take or, or you, you know something that I don't. Leslie, do you have any ideas on that? Well, you know, I was going to ask you, from my perspective, what I've seen, I think think it goes back to there's something there. Uh, I I haven't studied it, but there's something happening in that environment. And from what, in a few cases where I've been able to get enough information to understand, um, those kids that tend and if you go back and look at all the studies, kids are young people that tend to do that, to take a massive abandon of hurting people that have nothing to do with anything that might be bothering them, have been lured by some extremist group. Mm. And they have captured their mind and they teach hate. Mm. And so when you look at Columbine, how did that happen? Well. This was at the beginning of the internet, but what was he researching? He was researching and he had been in tune with groups that do nothing but plot online of how to take out mass attacks on other kids, right? Yeah. Um, Then you have, so it's an extremist viewpoint. It's a very, I always tell people, anytime you have an extremist viewpoint, it's very, very dangerous because you're isolated to one thought process. Yeah. You right. can't see anything else around you. You're isolated to only what you hear from us, the one source you trust and what you believe. Yeah. So now you're not open to transparent. You're not open to hearing the possibility of another way. You're not open to anything outside of what you believe in think. Yeah. And when you get to that state, you're very dangerous. Yes. Yeah. You're very dangerous to society because and so that's what has happened. I, I don't know how they're being lured initially. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's leading them, but that's where they're ending up. They're ended up in the grass and the lure and the attractive lure of these extremist groups that preach hate about yeah. some particular some particular issue, some yeah. particular race, some particular group of people. Sometimes it's about it's hate about everybody. That doesn't think like you, right? right. Which means that's a, that's everybody that don't think like you. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and when you get in that predicament, that's where you get these mass shootings because they yeah. don't have a defined enemy. It's everybody's their enemy. Yeah. And and that's a good point, Leslie. Because I tell you what, um, I see a lot of these school shootings, and and these are you know, white kids coming in, and and I a lot of them are from broken homes which is a lot of societal issues. I feel like that the family 
the two parent home, the the uh, the the man and uh, the man and wife that have children, and they're there to support their kids and raise their kids and teach them, you know, values of of helping society and becoming independent, productive adults. Uh, I see broken families in a lot of these kids. I don't I don't know any of the shooters that didn't have a messed up family to begin with. Right. The other thing is. A lot of these shootings, I don't think, for the most part, I don't know of any of them that were actually a racially motivated or targeted thing. They just went in and and they were just killing. Well, and, and that's what I'm saying. That's the part that's the scariest because the, your most dangerous groups are your extremists because they preach hate against everybody that doesn't think like them. So now typically when you're that isolate. You think everybody you look at are the other people. <laughs> yeah. So everybody becomes your enemy. Yeah. They 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 keep confined to themselves and they embrace themselves and they really just just lock in on all of the content coming from these hate groups and extremist groups. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing they take in. And now that hate festers, and then also in these groups, they teach them how to conduct a mass shooting, how what type of ammunition you need to acquire, how long you need to take the planet, how you need to go about acquiring the ammunition. Yeah, all of this, how you need to carry out the plan. Yeah, where you need to go when you're. I mean, I, I, I at the end of the day, the end result that drives it is hate. Yeah. Yep. And then they target, so the extremist groups, I don't care what side you on, target hate. That's what they preach. And then they target the most vulnerable population is somebody that, for whatever reason, that is things that have happened in their life are at risk and more vulnerable to want to feel a part of something. Yeah, yeah. And they target them. So typically in, in the Black culture, um, outside of the gang culture where you, you like we don't just shoot up mass shootings right it's very targeted it's very isolated we right. tend to know exactly who we shoot when we shoot them. there's right. a beef there there's a reason that happened yeah or it's a robbery attempt just random i need to rob somebody you just happen to be one driving through is right yeah. it's, but because culturally we 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 we, we just don't embrace that we net we just it's just not really been some historically we've done which is why when they found the serial killer killer years ago that was in the dc virginia area and he was a black guy with his son remember it was so shocking to the, to the african-american culture because like what <laughs> yeah he didn't fit the profile didn't fit the profile that's why they couldn't find him for the longest he didn't fit the profile yeah, yeah. so i think um, and I think that's that because in a lot of that culturally is because we've always grown up being a victim of hate, having to fight through it. So we're, it's just certain things we just won't do to each other. Yeah, right. Because we've all been victimized by that. We know that, look, at the end of the day, whether you have more than me or not, they still consider us both black men. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so yeah. it's it's a little bit different in our culture because of that. Uh, I, I don't think we're as vulnerable to that particular vice, but we're vulnerable to the gang vice. So, right. it, it yeah. you know, and I I just don't know what, what I don't know is 
what's happening in the white kids' lives that are making them so susceptible to these hate groups and how these hate groups are actually luring them in initially. Yeah. That's that's what I would love to see a study yeah. of that. And I think once we understand that we can we can attack it. Yeah. I um one thing that really bothers me, uh, we go to a, a church here locally, and um, we've got police officers. They have their police car outside the building, usually on a couple sides of the building. It's a pretty good sized church, and because uh, I know, you know, we're a soft target. I mean, because I could walk in there, and you know, and and I could carry a gun and start shooting. I mean, and and but we have armed police officers in the building. Uh, in several locations, we have the cars outside, and 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 then I know there's some people in the congregation that are, they just look like you know regular people at church. They're not in any kind of uniform, and they're and they're packing weapons because they know if something goes down, they're going to defend the church people. You know, widow ladies and all these elderly people and stuff and children. I guarantee you, there's a lot of people in our church that have guns that don't flash them or show them. And I think the police cars outside are to to let people know if somebody's going to come in and start shooting up a place. Oh, at least it might be a deterrent. They might say, you know what, I'm going to go on to an easier target. And and it's it's kind of a double-edged sword. I it, it makes me sick to think that we have to have police cars at our churches, okay, place of worship, where we're there to get along and try to to teach love instead of teaching you know hate. And, and we have a mixed congregation. Um, we have some black. We have some, uh, not a lot of black, but we, we do, a, we have a lot of community work where we help, uh, we support a lot of the black community uh, development and stuff and, uh, and housing and things. We, we do have a lot of projects, but we have several uh, black families. We also have um, Indian or, or um I guess uh, professional uh, doctors and stuff. Some of those families we have a, a good mix, but uh, and and as far as I can see, we've always been very open to. Uh, and, and I noticed the the preaching and stuff is very much to hey, you come in, we love you. I don't we don't care who you are, um, but it just it just bothers me to see police at, at churches. But I know facts are that that you know we're a target because you know, but. It just bothers me. I hate innocent people being hurt. I don't want anybody hurt, but I, I, I just hate seeing innocent people uh, just being, you know, abused in any way. So it, it just that was just something that's on my mind. This this thing I saw with the with the Chicago with with the kind of a mini riot or whatever they called it, um, but just a flooding of young people there. And then also it triggered a thought in my mind about all these shootings are basically these mass shootings uh, being, you know, white kids, you know, for the most part, um, you know, or white men. Um, it's, it's, it's almost never women. Okay. And it's almost zero black guys. It's, it's white males, you know? So I just, I don't know. It just bothered me. And I thought, well, we all have our screwed up problems, don't we? <laughs> Yeah, we do. I mean, no doubt about it, we do. And I just think that, um, you know, that, as far as the makeup, I think that's 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 it. I think it's those are the things we have to address. And I think, unfortunately, um, the root cause of all of that 
it's still that word hate. Yeah. We got it now on cultures hate and and when you have hate and you have pain that's never not able to be released or treated, yeah, you're yeah. gonna have a problem. Yeah. It's like pulling the pin off of a grenade. You better run. Because <laughs> 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 if you just if you take no action, it's gonna take the action for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I and I think that's what happens. So whether it's um whether it's the hate side has been taught by an extremist group, whether it's a vulnerable kid been picked up and shown love and protection and care by gang mm-hmm. and induced that way. Um at the end of the day, it, it, they're grenades. Yes. That pen is pulled. They go off. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so the biggest question is what's pulling who what is the thing that's pulling the pin out of the grenades for all of it? Yeah. 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 And, and we've got to attack that. And and you and the thing is, Leslie, like you said a while ago, you never know. You know, you never know who and when because uh people that, that are really shocked. Like used to be, you know, in the post office, there were a lot of postal shootings and they talk about the term going postal because there was a lot of stress and the people just shoot up, up the post office. These are employees in the post office shooting up, you know, their, you know, fellow coworkers. And I just, but you never know. And you have some clues and you think, okay, that person's a little strange. Maybe they, you know, maybe they do a little quirky things. Well, I do too. But I don't go shoot shoot up the place, and so you don't know. You just don't know, um, and that's where family needs to try to you know wrap their arms around people and say, "Hey, you know, what can I do to help you?" Because I know you're struggling or something. But um, it's just it's a tough situation, and I hate it because in the in the very end, it's innocent people being hurt and killed, and that just that really bothers me. Well, there you have it. Uh, guys, th- this episode, episode 22, was Tell Me Why of the Black and White Men Talking Podcast, where we really took a deep dive into two separate issues. Uh, one uh, with the targets being young Black males and young Black females, even uh, in the gang life, and the other one being typically targeted young white males, and how they both end in horrible, horrible situations for society as a whole and just really dealing with at the essence of both of it is hate and we've got to attack it we've got to attack it and we'll attack it by having conversations like this and black and white men really talking and really working through some of these unresolved issues and there's some issues that are just as men and that's why I, I, the work that Dave does the work I do the reason why everybody needs to be a mentor to somebody is because that kid you reach out to that you pick up and you show a different way you really it is really really true when we say you just may save his life and the lives of many others yep. and so that's why i say people say it's not my problem not having it is it's so much bigger than you because when these mass shootings happen you don't know one day if it's going to roll up at your kid's school or not they don't have a name yeah they it, it, everybody's in jeopardy Right. And so we've got to change the trajectory of how we handle this. And we first got to start changing the man in the mirror, as we talked about. And that's what Black Black and White Men Talking Podcast is all about. So if you enjoy us, hit us up. 
on our YouTube channel, Black and White Men Talking Podcast. You can also find us in the audio version at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Listen Notes. Wherever you find your podcast, you can find us, Black and White Men Talking. This has been real. And until the next episode where we get together once again, I, myself, Leslie Peters, and my co-host Dave Wadsworth would like to tell you to keep talking. Black and white men keep talking. See you next time.